Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Eaton, here as always with Mr. Todd Adkins. And today we are uh, joined by our good, good friend, Mark Satterfield, who is the lead pastor at the Glade Church in Mount Juliet, Tennessee. Mark, glad to have you on with us today. Man, glad to be a part of this today. You've been, you've been on before, but it's been a I have. Time. It has been a while. I'm glad to be back. You've grown a lot. So. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. That's good. I really appreciate that. Mark, is, Mark has the luxury of being my pastor on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do to go to church. We, sh- that would we should do a whole podcast. Podcast on how to how to be Todd's pastor. That's exactly what I was about to say. Spend a lot of time. Yeah, that could be a whole series. <laughs> I love right. it. Well, so what are we talking about today? Yeah, today we're going to talk through the five steps on how to get something done. Well, I think this came about because I was talking about doing a book, doing a book breakdown. I know Mark loved essentialism. I've read a lot of. I don't know, a lot of books recently about productivity, time management, you know, Carrie's book from last year, I think is still a great read, which is at your best. Um, Mm -hmm. If you haven't read it or haven't listened to the podcast where we talked about it, I think that was the last time I had him on. So I need to have him on again. But there's a lot of those things right now, because I think a lot of us have found there has been something that disrupted our old system. And we're just sometimes we're not even sure what it is, but it just we're, we're feeling a little off or it's it's not right. And maybe it's not you. Maybe it's somebody that you're you're leading. And so instead of going through one book, what we thought we would do is walk through kind of a five step process, which is how do you reduce, prioritize, plan execute and then measure to make sure that you're doing what you need to do and and make adjustments. You could actually, you know, that M could be make adjustments, measure. I I don't care. It's not an acrostic anyway. It's just five steps. But the big thing that I would want you to walk away with is we're going to walk through those categories because that in my experience has been how I've always found a new gear. Like whenever I've tried Mm to look for something new, um, it's not trying to manufacture more um, energy or carve out even more time um, because, you know, I hit those limits 10, 15 years ago. Now it all is about prioritization and reduction first and then figuring out, okay, well, how do I plan that out? How do I make sure I'm executing and not falling back into old habits? So Dan, start us off here. Yeah, let's jump into the first step, which is reduce. Like, how do you reduce what you're doing on maybe a daily basis to help you get the real things you need to get done done? Yeah, I think I think this is really helpful. There are I'm a task management kind of guy. I love cranking out a good to do list. And I can't remember how long ago it was, but I was walking out one day from work and feeling like I just accomplished so many wonderful things. And only to go back and look to see that none of those things were important, but I actually Mm -hmm. walked out feeling really good about life, you know, and uh, (laughs) I know I'm not the only one who deals with that, but just that constant uh, evaluation of making sure that you're on the right thing. And if you're not doing the right thing, then you gotta, you gotta knock it out. Mark, do you um, just curious, do you do like 
Asana or any of those kind of apps for a to-do list? Or are you like, I have a pad of paper that I write down my to-do list with? Yeah, it's actually a combination of both. Uh, I do use Asana with a couple of people on staff and it's just helpful for accountability. I imagine we'll probably get to that in a little bit. It's accountability for me and a couple of people that report directly to me. But I am a notebook guy, but I don't put everything in my notebook. I'll write down like three most important things for me. I'm kind of a three wins guy for the day. And uh, I'll write that down, think through it, and then make sure that it's sitting right in front of me. Like I've got one right here sitting in front of me today. You know, the three wins are finished sermon prep, church-wide email, and podcast prep and show. And so those are the big things for me today. And so I, I do a combination of both. I don't know if that's an age thing. I'm a Gen Xer. And so I do like being able to write. But I also like technology, too. Yeah. And you're, and you're really cynical. I am. Yeah, I can be for sure, especially around you. I'm just yes. saying, uh, all the Xers are supposedly cynical. That's that's our thing. Um, okay, so a couple things here. I would say when I'm thinking about reducing, the first and foremost thing that you have to consider is: Do you already understand your vision for the church that you're leading? You know, vision, mission, values, like. Everything that you do should kind of go through that lens. If that's something that you already have in place and or you went through a process and, you know, you, you got there and you've declared these things and you didn't change anything in your structure or systems or your calendar or your staffing or your funding, then you're just kidding yourself. And, and that's the proper way. I would say to go back and look at what to reduce. Start with this is who I am and this is where we're going as an organization. What can I only do in these categories? But what are those what are those really important categories? It's going to look different, you know, for each role in the church. Mm-hmm. But as far as you yourself, you're going to be thinking you're probably going to have more time needed in your calendar for strategy than tactics and where somebody else may have a little bit more tactics. That doesn't mean you can just stroll around or sit around and drink coffee and wax eloquent. Um, That really is an intentional time of critical thinking and then critical action that goes around what you've identified as the things that are really important for me to get accomplished. I really like that. That's kind of that vision framework is really the foundation from which you should be operating from. You're thinking about the church, you know, you have your mission strategy and values, but also as an individual, as a leader, you know, what, whatever your role is, you know, and it doesn't even have to be work related, ministry related. You know, it's also your responsibility as, as a husband or a wife or a father or a mother, I would imagine, you know, whatever your vision is for your company or for your church, there's probably some bleed over in your own personal mission, values, and strategy. And so those things I imagine are working together. Uh, It's critical that you're operating from that foundation. If you don't have that, then you tend to be working on things that are, that are not important. Um, The non-essential, the low priority tasks. And I think one of the craziest things that can take place in a leader's life is working on things that you 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 accomplish for the day only to walk out and not know that those things really aren't important for mm-hmm. your own personal mission or the mission of the church. 
I was going to say, I love an essentialism. Um, uh, McEwen says, uh, only once you give yourself permission to stop trying to do it all, to stop saying yes to everyone, can you make your highest contribution towards the things that really matter? Um, I feel like we need to remind ourselves continually. I, I think a lot of people that are in you know these kind of church leadership positions are type A people that want to do it all. And we have to stop saying yes to everything. And there are other people that can be delegated those other things to do. I think the hard question, you know, within this reduce section is how do you say no to somebody that's asking you to do something that seems good, but you know, you've got to put it into the lens of how does this contribute to what I'm really trying to do in this role? I think you find yourself in a constant state of evaluate and eliminate. That was something that Christine and I had heard early on in our marriage. We were at a marriage conference and this couple said that and it really resonated with us. And so, you know, just from a marriage perspective, in our conversations, we find ourselves constantly evaluating and eliminating things because it's so easy for things to be placed into your life. And when you do that evaluation, oftentimes I found myself going, man, where did this come from? Like, how did this get into into my system? And then I evaluate it, eliminate it. And uh, I think that's just something that's really good. That's a really good habit to have on a regular basis as a leader. There's a couple other things I thought about with reducing. One is, is so, you know, that has really nothing to do with people. It does have a lot to do with technology. There's so there's so many distractions that can take mm. place. Right. Right. And like, so uh, I'm, I'm watching next to Mark with um, 30 tabs open. Yeah. On, on my laptop. <laughs> yeah. Like that laptop right there is just like it is screaming for me to come in and do some cleanup work. That's like half the tabs that he normally has up. <laughs> yeah. But I think there's so many distractions that. That are happening in our lives, which makes it really hard to be able to focus. And then, too, you know, like I think about meetings. Uh, oftentimes, there are meetings that happen that you know you walk out of that meeting, you're like that. That wasn't even necessary. You know, that could have been done in an email, or that could have happened with a phone call. And then, too, like clutter, like think about your own space. Now, I know I'm a neat freak and I like things to be really organized and that's not everybody's cup of tea. But I think, too, when you're looking at your physical space and even your digital space, like Todd's laptop right now is killing me, um, (laughs) just being able to get rid of uh, unnecessary items can improve efficiency. And I think that's what you're looking for when you're trying to reduce. What do you guys think about that? I definitely agree. I feel like there's a lot of digital stuff these days that, you know, when I am trying to procrastinate doing something is when I'll go and switch over to like Instagram or Twitter or something like that and take my take myself off of what I should be actually doing. But there's some great apps that are out there that help you block those things. I also heard you say too, Mark, that like, you know, there's so many meetings that we have that could have been an email or something else. One of the products that I love using is Loom that lets me screen record my screen. And I will um, a lot of times just, you know, I got something today where somebody wanted to meet and ask some questions. And instead, I just showed them via this Loom screen record what what their questions were. And it eliminated the meeting need. And they tell you every month how many meetings you have avoided by using Loom. So something that I love. No, no, uh, no ad placement here for Loom, but just something I love personally. I'll also say I do want to get into resources, you know, be it books, articles or tools like Loom. 
I recently read uh, HBR, Harvard Business Review, has a series, a three-part series on how a CEO spends his time. Gentlemen, we are not professionals. I, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying, sorry, I'm quoting Piper there. Just so you understand, I'm not saying you can take the schedule of a CEO and put it into uh, um, the church. That's that's not it at all. But we have to recognize there are things that we can learn from them and we can then contextualize. One of the biggest pieces is how they spend their time and they spend their time way more on strategy than they do anything else. And they spend a lot of time face to face. That doesn't mean that uh, that's with different groups of people with, you know, direct reports and then the people that they pastor. And uh, but every single one of those is, you know, something that's going to be more strategic. I, I would say the best thing that came out of there, though, was some of the key takeaways on things like how much time you spend in email and when you do email. Hmm. So I think a great you know tool is to basically say, I'm going to reduce, you know, my email time and whatever I get done, anything that I can give to somebody else that's more capable than I am to answer it, I'm going to do that. Uh, I'm going to let that person know that I did that. Um, and hopefully they'll just go directly to them in the future. But we spend far too much time in email. If there is a situation where you have a person on your staff or even one of your you know, deacons or key leaders that just wears you out on email, you need to have a conversation with them <laughs> so that that's able to be uh, something that's different. It's not to say we don't want to have those conversations or, or, you know, this is beneath me or anything like that. It's to say, hey, I'm just trying to, you know, spend as m minimal time in email as possible because it is. I don't know how, how many emails you all get a day or how much time you spend in it, but I know we could all use a little less email. So let, to keep us moving along, because I'm sure we could talk a long time on this reduce thing, but let's say, you know, we're talking about how to get something done. Let's reduce the number of things we're trying to get done. Um, but the next, the next kind of section that we were talking about was how to prioritize those things that we are trying to get done. So thoughts on, thoughts on how to prioritize well. Yeah, I'll jump in there. I think knowing yourself, um, like how much energy you have uh, to be able to to give in a day is extremely helpful. And then with that, you know, you are able to prioritize things that, you know, are very important, but they're not easily you can't easily get to those things. And so this is where I th believe Carrie Newhoff's book at your best was extremely helpful for me. He talks about green, yellow, and red zones. And so I really work through that. I put it on my calendar that way. My green mm -hmm. zone time is 8.30 to noon. I try to push a, to a later lunch. So I know like the things that I really want to be able to get to that are really important, that don't feel urgent. Uh, those are the things I want to work on in my green zone. I don't have meetings in my green zone. Uh, and then yellow zone, I, I schedule my meetings. I do my best to schedule meetings for my yellow zone, which is going to be my afternoon time. That's when I check my check my email. Uh, and then I know when my red zone hits, which is going to be towards, you know, that that four or five, six o'clock time frame, I'm toast. And so I don't want to be doing anything that uh, is critical uh, during that during that time because I'm just not at my best. 
And so mm-hmm. I think if you understand that, just your own, like your own, your own body and how you respond to uh, just, just life in general, understanding that principle really can help you set up a day that can be very successful. So I would springboard off of that and say one of the uh, additional things that you might want to audit in addition to the times of day that you have energy, you also need to look at the different um, responsibilities that you have. And we all have things that kind of drain us of energy and we all have Mm -hmm. things that we're probably a little bit more passionate about and give us energy, you know, and that's, introverts and extroverts, you know, we all know there's, you know, some people that love people and they get energized by, you know, a meeting with a lot of people and you almost have to pull them back or make sure you have an agenda um, (laughs) in order to get stuff done. But at the same time, you know, other people have different things. So I would say one of the key things to do is to go through and look at all your responsibilities and say, okay, how much energy do I get from this or how much Mm -hmm. energy does it take away? And then also look at the times of days that you have. If, for instance, you're an early riser and you know that nobody else is is going to be ready to answer an email at 530 in the morning, then don't get up at five and, you know, have your time with the Lord and then just start plowing through email because, you know, you don't have anything else to do. Really set aside time. What I found was this in four buckets. So I took an opportunity to read 12-week work year, at your best, um, deep work, and oh, there was one more I went back and looked at. But anyway, I tried to pull all the, the really juicy things out of those and then kind of roll a new system. And what I, the four categories I ended up with were what's the core time Uh, What are the core meetings that this is just routine? This is staff meetings. This is sermon prep. This is I'm going to do this every single week. Okay, this is just how it is. And I want to block about 70 percent of my time for everything in core. So that's those type of meetings. And then I want to have a little bit of cushion in there. Mm -hmm. So maybe 15 percent or so of cushion so that anything that comes up, I'm able to pull it in. And by that, I mean, this is time that's blocked in the schedule to deal with UFOs, Mm -hmm. uh, unforeseen occurrences, because we all have those. They just fly in from nowhere. You've got them every week. You had one this week and you know what it is. So you've got to, if you have time scheduled to do that, then if it's something you have to take care of immediately, whatever is on your calendar, doesn't have to go two weeks from now. It can just slide into there, that spot that you've got for that on Tuesday or whatever day of the week. The last um, section I would say is time for critical thinking and critical action. The critical thinking is, I would say eight times, nine times out of 10, that that needs to be you and and the Lord. That just need, you need to be by yourself doing that. Really strategically, intentionally thinking about the life and ministry of the church where you're going and just really, if you don't calendar that time, it's going to get taken from you. Um, and if you don't calendar that buffer time, that's the first thing that's going to come off your plate. Um, and then the, the, I would say even under that critical thinking, also the, the critical action point of these are the things that 
are part of my agenda for, you know, the next three months or the next year. These are these big goals that are outside our normal things that I want to get accomplished. And so when I wake up each morning, I've already got the core stuff. I've already got the cushion stuff built in. This is what happens all the time every week. But for those things that um, I'm really strategically trying to move the ball down the road on, I'm going to have that critical thinking and critical acting time as 30% if I can get it of my time in a given week. This, this might be jumping down to the, the measure part towards the end, but I think it's important to say here too, uh, I've, I've seen this with people that I've worked for. I've seen it in my own life too, that we, we get stuck in these, here's this block of time that I'm going to prioritize, you know, sermon prep or this type of work. And that works for a season, but that season, you know, then it stops becoming helpful in that season. You know, whatever life has changed, you know, drop off for kids has changed where those things aren't the best. I think we have to give ourselves grace to rearrange those things and reprioritize when those certain blocks happen. Um, Because if you're not getting the use out of them, you know, what's the point of that? So uh, I think even taking, you know, quarterly times to review and take a look at those and just say, all right, I used to love doing email in the morning and getting that done, but now that doesn't work anymore. So when is that slot going to be? And let me move around, you know, what I need to on that. I think that's uh, that's a really good point. I imagine there are listeners that do not have a rhythm for how they go about their day. And then there are other listeners that are really on point and they, they know uh, they've got a good system in place. I, I believe that for the for the listener who does not really have a game plan about about their day, they need to. I would encourage, and we're all different when it comes to when we get up, when we go to bed, and all that. Some of us are morning people, some of us are night owls. You know, know yourself, man. I would strongly encourage to be a morning person. I feel like the best time to work on yourself to be able to work on the things that are important for for you. Uh, that that morning time, like for me, I'm thinking that 5 to 8.30 a.m., very few people are contacting me. Very few people are, are trying to get my attention during that time frame. I can do the things that I know that I need to do that's very important to me. And so there's a morning routine there that I think is critical. But then I also find myself, back to what you're saying, Dan, to be one who has a really good daily rhythm for the most part, I do find myself constantly evaluating how that works because there's tweaks that I see that I'm constantly making based on just how life, life goes. And so uh, I think that that evaluation or that measuring time uh, is critical uh, on a regular basis because you are going to make those changes. And when you do, you're going to find yourself to be more productive. And uh, oftentimes that's what we're looking for. We're looking for uh, how can we be productive on the things that are most important? Well, let's let's keep moving the conversation next to the the third uh, category was plan or planning. All right. Again, these things are, you know, the conversation is building. Right. So it's like, hey, I'm going to take a look at everything I do. I'm going to begin to sift it through my vision values. And now, you know, we've gone through the the first couple of categories. Finally, we get to planning. This is where you're putting pen to paper and making sure you get, you know, things planned out. Now, from my perspective, a lot of your week is probably already blocked out. It's just it is what it is. But from a daily perspective, 
there still should be that there still should be blocks in there where you're getting other things done. Your core stuff is in there and you even got a block to deal with those unforeseen events. And you've got a couple blocks mixed in for the day and what you want to accomplish. That's where you're, you know, taking five minutes early on to say, Hey, here's the things that I'm going to get done today. The way I do it is old school, Stephen Covey. Um, I've already seen it in Mark's notes, which is the Eisenhower matrix or <laughs> quadrant, which we've mentioned on the podcast numerous times. What's important, what's urgent and, and looking at, you know, making sure that what we're working on is the right things. I do that. And I actually use the numbers from the quadrant and just put the number by it. And I try to hit all my, you know, numbers in the right order. But I always do that. I think one of the biggest things there is scoring, which I may say for executing. So I'll, I'll, I'll let you, Dan, why don't you answer this one? Yeah, no, I mean, I think, again, like you said, Todd, this this really all builds on each other. But I think, again, planning, I I, I think even in here, I, I was thinking in this section too, just the idea of, of taking time to plan, uh, you know, making sure that what you're doing fits within your vision and your mission and your strategies here again. And even just having things like essentialism talks, uh, I think it's essentialism has a uh, thing where they encourage people to take like a think week where they just go and think about new ideas and things like that, that sometimes, you know, we aren't getting what we need to get done because we don't have the time to go out and, you know, get, get some space away to, to think about things um, in a good way. I think if you got, if you got your goals in your planning and they're set, um, I think a great example of that is you can Google smart, uh, smart goals that can be very helpful in creating your goals. And then as you're, you are making your plan for your day, your goals are right there. So you're not going about your day trying to figure out what to tackle. You already know what to tackle. And so that's where that time blocking comes in, which can be very helpful. Project management tools, you know, like Dan, you mentioned Asana, um, or maybe you're old school and you like to write it out. Now you're proactive in getting the things done during the day that you know, or at least you're telling yourself, this is most important for me, for my company, or for my church. And I just think that's a great way to uh, to go about to go about the work that you're trying to to get accomplished. Now you're working with purpose. Let's let's move on. Let's keep moving to execute because I feel like we could spend a lot of time here in the execute section. Um, you know, this is this is the actually getting it done part of trying to get it done. So what's that? What does that look like? And I can jump in there. There's uh, the Pomodoro technique. That's something that I've been using. Uh, it's been super helpful. I have this little time timer that I set up. Uh, I'll choose a time. I'll focus on whatever it is that uh, I've determined is most important for me to accomplish for the day. And then uh, as soon as that timer hits, I'll get up, walk around. And I found the use of that, especially on days where I have a lot of time blocked off to be able to do that kind of deep work that uh, Cal Newport talks about that keeps me in the zone longer. And so that's a technique that has really helped for me just being able to work on on tasks where you can take a short break, you can get right back in it. And uh, what I've noticed with that over time, especially eliminating distractions, you can actually work longer as you're building that kind of that, that habit or that muscle to be able to do the work. And so I've really enjoyed that. I definitely wanted to make mention of that. The Pomodoro technique has been super helpful for me. That's just on a very practical level. We, we were talking about this before the podcast and we both like the Pomodoro method. The difference is my, 
my timer's set for 15 minutes and Mark's is set for 45. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> I have to bring mine out sometimes, uh, especially in an afternoon where I want to be distracted. And I'm just like, no, I've got to, I've got to get, you know, these things done or knocked off the list or whatever. And I'll just set it. I'll set it for 15. By the way, Pomodoro means tomato. And it came from a guy uh, who he came up with it because there was a tomato timer in his kitchen. And so the name stuck, the, the originator of it. I think it was from like the 50s or something. But yeah. The more you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've, re- I've read a couple of books. I imagine there's uh, quite a bit on this particular subject. But I know in the Full Focus Planner, which I've used that multiple times by Michael Hyatt, he talks about three, like three primary tasks for the day. And then I recently read Donald Miller's book, Hero on a Mission. And he would have in there, you know, three key objectives for the day. And so I kind of took that and I know that's somewhere else too in some other places, but I call it three wins and that's for that green zone time. And so that's like things that are very important, but don't feel urgent, but I know I need to be working on it. And so I don't try to overload that key time, that key green time space for me. I don't try to overload it with a bunch of stuff. I try to put in there two, maybe three things that I know is extremely important. And then I have more of my easier checkoff list type stuff in the afternoon in that yellow zone that I find very helpful. And usually that list can be very long just because you're kind of in that knockout mode. And so Mm -hmm. I think understanding the difference between the two really can help you go about your day working and knocking out the things that are most important. And that stuff that you know you just got to do, like Todd mentioned email. Uh, you got you got to be in your email, but how can you be in your email the least amount of time possible and still be able to to get the job done? Theo, there, practice the Ohio principle. What's that? What's that? <laughs> Only handle it once. <laughs> That's also uh, a methodology. Yeah, that, that, that again is about reducing the amount of time that you're spending there and getting it done. Dan, what were you going to say? I was going to say, uh, I was going to ask a question. There's a, there's a popular kind of model out there, a rule that's, it's the two minute rule that says, if it's going to take you less than two minutes to do something, do it right away and get it done with. How do you guys, what do you guys think of that? And is that something that would be helpful? Maybe, maybe not at all times, but in those blocks of time where you are working on email or things like that, that, Hey, if it's going to be less than two minutes of work, just do it and get it done with. I, I I would say yes, but batch it. You've got to batch your small tasks for one of those windows and do it that way. So I'm going to look at what, what I know I need to get done that day and batch some, you know, batch some small tasks together in a block of time. Again, trying to be cognizant as an intentional as possible with what time of day is going to be and what I'm going to be feeling like during that time. The reality is guys, we don't live in perfect worlds either. And some of you are sitting there going, man, what do I do during vacation Bible school week? And what do (laughs) I do during, you know, like this is for you. Um, the like calendar blocking and strap, like it's for you. You are not for your calendar. Mm -hmm. So, just remember that there's a balance between the flexibility that you that you'll need, but not getting so flexible that it's gone in 
a month from now and you're no longer using it. That's what happens, I think, to a lot of people. So the reason why I like the buffer piece in there and the critical thinking piece in there is it goes ahead and it creates a, a, a space so that when things do blow up, I've got time to deal with it in addition to the other things. Yep. Mark, what else do you have in this category? I want to hit all that two-minute rule. I used to operate that way. If it, if it could be done in less than two minutes, then I would do it. And the reason why I would do it is I really didn't have a system in place to be able to capture. If it like came to my mind, I didn't have a place to put it where I could do it later. Mm-hmm. And then I read, I think the guy's name is Tiago Forte, uh, How to Build a Second Brain. Yep. He had this cool. section in there on using notes, which I'm an iPhone guy, so I pull up my notes and titled it quick capture. And so I can hit my, my button on my phone and it automatically goes to that particular section of notes. And I just put it in there real quick. And that's how I've been able to batch it. And so batch all those little two minutes or less kind of stuff. And that's been a game changer for me because also, you know, I'll put stuff in there that's not two minutes or less that it's just like, Oh man, I've got to get to that. How have I forgotten about that? So I'll put it in there. And that's really helped me just kind of stay on top of, just all that stuff that's just coming at you, you know? Okay. So that book I have not read. I, it's, I saw it or either you told me to read it. Um, and I want to read it. Is it worth, is this a sit down and read it? Is this a listen to it or is this a skim it or maybe summary? What is it? I think if <laughs> Build, I think you, building yeah. second brain, building second brain. Right. I think you can work through it very quickly. He also mm-hmm. has some great videos on YouTube that allow yeah. you to work through that book very quickly. If you don't yeah. watch the YouTube videos, I do think that it's worth taking the time to go through it because you're gonna it's gonna cause you to think through your own systems. And I guarantee yep. you there'll be changes that you'll wanna make based on the amount of content that's in that book. It's so helpful. Yeah, Dan, you've I, read it. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that it's. Um, I, I, th- I definitely think it could be a skim, or like Mark said, look at some other resources and stuff on there. But yeah, it's really helpful. It it challenged me of I'm all over the place with different systems and stuff, and it kind of said, hey, try to do it all in one place, <laughs> you know, as much as you can, you know, whether that's Evernote or some other system like your Notes app. But the kind of idea of it was, uh, it was actually there was I think a quote in there that said like your mind is for um, your mind is for having ideas not holding them and kind of this idea of like you can't be a, a thinker and strategic and be doing all this stuff if you are trying to hold on all these facts all the time like type up your notes from a meeting or keep them in a spot that you can go and refer to back. Um, but keep your mind kind of uncluttered um, and use the second brain for all those, you know, ongoing things. So it was a very interesting read and good mindset to challenge me to be better with, you know, how I'm taking notes and what I'm doing with all that. Well, I guess I'm reading it now. Well, so. you know, where I found it most helpful and if you're a, a pastor or leader that you're trying to, gather content or you're constantly looking at content and you don't have a system for how you're capturing that content, the book really helps you think through ways for you to use technology to capture that information and then be able to go back to it and use it when you need it. So for me, that was a game changer. I was going to say that following back up on that to be prepping for this podcast that I wrote down a note that um, there was research from Microsoft that shows that the average U.S. employee spends 76 hours per year looking for uh, lost notes, items or files. So like this was the idea of like, hey, you can you can alleviate some of those 76 hours per year if you have a good system. Which which company said this? Microsoft. 
from Microsoft. I'm just taking that note there. Hey, a couple of things on executing real quick. <laughs> I didn't catch that at first. <laughs> yeah. I think to help you execute better, if you have accountability, you know, that could be coworkers or that mm-hmm. could be anybody. If you have someone that's holding you accountable uh, to the work that you're doing, because let's be honest, the majority of your work, if not all of your work, uh, involves other people. And so that's really important. That can help you stay on point. And then two, I would imagine I'm so guilty of this. I constantly have to think about this. There's work that we're doing that technically shouldn't be our work. You should be Mm -hmm. delegating it to others because it's actually their work. And so uh, the more that you can delegate, obviously, the better, the better you're going to be at executing what you're actually responsible for. You know, like I have to remind my team, Hey, if there's something that you're waiting for me to deliver or there's something that you're you're feeling the weight of responsibility for, but it's technically mine, give it to me. Don't be afraid to give it to me. And I think that's, you know, that's something that we got to remind our teams and it works, you know, both ways too as well. I mean, a couple of weeks ago we were working on a project and I was taking too much responsibility for it. And so I thought I was delegating and one of my staff members said, thank you for giving me what's mine to begin with. And, hmm. and I was like, you're exactly right. I wasn't offended by that at all. I was thankful because we're trying to create that culture where it really is uh, more 360 in terms of work getting done. And sometimes that's passed up and sometimes that's passed down and sometimes it's passed to the left or the right. And a good, um, a good book on that is Multipliers by uh, Wiseman that talks a lot about, you know, multiplying what, how you lead people in a way that's multiplying what they're doing and not just what you're doing. One more thing I want to say before we move off of delegation is... You know, if you're a longtime listener, you've heard there's three levels of shared ministry, dumping, delegating and developing and really be intentional with your delegation, who you're delegating it to and making sure that you're giving them the tools to actually get that done. So they don't feel dumped on. And that is be really specific in your ask. Tell them, mention one of your values uh, and how this is going to impact, you know, the church as you do it. And that will be, I think, even better received and be more of a development thing, especially if you process it with them afterward. If it's a bigger, it's a bigger thing than maybe they um, are comfortable with. It's, It's a good development opportunity as well. All right. So now that we've executed last last thing was measure or, you know, adjusting. What does that look like? So that's where I would go back to what Mark said about accountability. And mm-hmm. the person doesn't have to be a peer, but it would be really nice to have, you know, somebody that you're kind of making sure is is holding you accountable. The other thing I would say is the the best way to do that is to give yourself a score at the end of every day. You know, it's like, okay, how did I do today? You know, and honestly, there's some days that we know everything's going to get blown up and it's a really big UFO, right? It's, it's, it's something unforeseen that comes in and you just were not expecting it came out of nowhere. And so your whole day, maybe even your whole week is disrupted. I totally get that. But generally speaking from a day to day, certainly a week to week, you should really maybe check off the day uh, and then the week it's like, let me give myself a score. And then beginning of next week or into this week, I'm going to meet with somebody else that's doing this kind of thing. And I'm going to say, hey, you know, I got 80. I got an 80 this week. I think mm-hmm. if you get anywhere north of 80, 
you're doing pretty good because uh, if you're if you're doing a methodology where you're saying, hey, here's how much time I'm spending on core stuff, here's how, how much time I'm spending on critical stuff, then I think you you need to give yourself credit that you will be progressing, you will be moving forward. If you can, even if you get eighty percent of it, you'll be really moving. And a year from now, you'll look back and won't be able to believe how much you've accomplished. Mm. Mark, what do you think? I think if you're uh, a leader of an organization and you're trying to think through your measures or evaluate, you know, evaluate what's getting done, that that is only going to be as strong as the vision framework you have for your organization. So the stronger your mission is, the stronger your strategy is and your values, the stronger your measures are going to be. And I feel like measures is what gets put in the back seat most often. And so it's something that you've got to constantly look at and evaluate. On a smaller scale, the smarter your goals are, the better you have articulated your goals, the better the questions are going to be, your measures are going to be for you to be able to evaluate, which I really think is critical for you to be able to nail that down, uh, to be able to see uh, specific progress, progress that you're looking for. And then on an individual level, I think about this for my own life. There are measures and they're, they're general measures, but I think they keep me kind of keep me grounded that I ask of myself, like I have my own vision framework. And one of my measure questions is how often are you reviewing uh, your mission strategy and values for yourself? Uh, because the more that I look at that, the more I spend time on that, the more it kind of keeps me dialed in to what I know is most important for me, what I feel like how the Lord's gifted me and the responsibilities that I have and the role that I'm in. And then uh, I, I go back to what James Clear said in Atomic Habits. I felt like this was so this is so transformative for me because I could easily get caught up in goals. Uh, mm -hmm. He says, you do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. And so mm -hmm. I know and and I'm a systems guy and I know not everybody is uh, the stronger my systems are in the way that I get things done and go about my day, the the better, uh, the stronger, the faster, the farther my goals seem to uh to, to, to go. And so, uh, and not just for me, but for our team as well. And so measures are critical. And, uh, if you're not measuring what you're doing, how do you know how you're doing? And so how, how do you know that you're making true progress, uh, in whatever it is that you're trying to tackle? Yeah. And I think for me, I was just going to encourage people to remind themselves in this measure phase of like, this should be fun. This shouldn't be drudgery. You know, there's going to be days where it is tough and hard and all those things, but you know, you should, you know, hopefully the way that you're living your life and, and the way that you're going about your work and getting things done should be enjoyable. And if it's not, let's look at that and let's see what tweaks we should be making on that. And I think, you know, talking about accountability, you know, you should be asking your coworkers, you know, Hey, is, do you find, you know, where I'm taking sermon prep time to be helping me or not? You know, what, what do you think? What do you see? And I think also talking to your spouse and if you don't have a spouse, you know, your close friends, how, what do you see when you look at my life and am I getting enough sleep? Am I working out? Am I doing the things that are also going to keep me healthy to do the other things that I need to do for work? So, yeah. you know, looking, yeah, looking through all those. We didn't tackle to uh, today was just, you know, all the whole uh, health and wellness and nutrition. Cause I do think that that is uh, that does play 
play a part in your ability to uh, to go about your day and and uh, be successful, to be productive. However, you're defining that uh, health and wellness, I think, is really important. Any other final resources, thoughts, things that you guys want to add into this conversation before we wrap up today? I think one of the things that's important to remember, I just opened up the book 12 week work year to pull this, to pull this diagram out, but it, it says, Hey, you know, recognize the emotional cycle of change. Um, mm-hmm. and it's adapted from Kelly and Connor's model of change cycles. But if you're going to be implementing, you know, whether it's 12 week work year, some kind of, calendar blocking strategy, you're going to put some of this stuff in place, recognize that it's not going to be sunshine and rainbow. So he says, Mm -hmm. you go through these five phases, uninformed optimism, where you're like, yes, (laughs) I got a new planner. I got a new calendar and it's, I've got different color pens and this is going to be awesome. Uh, to informed pessimism. Uh oh, I'm two or three weeks in, and I- I'm not totally sure if this is going to work. The valley of despair. Then informed optimism and success and fulfillment. The reason why you see a lot of 90 day and 12 week kind of books um, and processes is it's long enough to really accomplish a lot and 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 see some real movement, and it's short enough that. Hopefully, in, almost anybody can commit to power through. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's just twelve weeks, uh, so I'm just going to try this for twelve weeks, and then, you know, get it moving forward. Like if I was going to say, "Hey, pick up a book and look at it," uh, it would be really hard for me to give you one. I would almost be like, "Okay, I like the framework of twelve week work year, but you know, I like some other other calendar blocking tools." So. Any resources you would say is a must have? I would encourage, and I imagine we'd have some of this in the show notes. We've mentioned several great books. They're all very foundational. And I would encourage, you know, sometimes when you read these books, you know, the tendency or at least my tendency in the past has been, oh, I got to change everything about my life and do it this way. I wouldn't encourage anybody to do that. I've always felt like whether it's essentialism or the compound effect or atomic habits or at your best, there's always one or two nuggets I get Mm -hmm. from those books that I will implement into the way that I do, um, the way that I operate. And uh, I found like over time that has just helped me uh, in knowing myself and how I work, how I do life and stuff. And so I would encourage I would encourage reading those foundational books, but just look for the one or two small things. But maybe that's, you know, if you're li- you're listening to this and you're like, man, I've already done that. I've already got, I'm looking for something a little bit deeper, kind of like more like a 2.0 version. I would recommend uh, Brendan Burchard's book, High Performance Habits. I feel like that's a really good resource if you're looking mm-hmm. to take this kind of like next level. Let's say you got a really strong foundation and you're trying to figure out, okay, what is that next level uh, in, in, and, uh, achievement or success, productivity, whatever it is that you're looking for, I would encourage you to read that book. Give that book a shot. I think that'll be uh, something that you would enjoy. Dan, how about you? Yeah, no, I mean, I think just, again, I feel like knowing yourself and whether that's you're a pen and paper person or you're going to be best suited by some apps, there's amazing apps out there for, you know, keeping you, you know, productive. I mentioned Loom before, I think it's huge. And I think Mark mentioned a bunch of the books that I was thinking about as well. So, yeah. The last thing I would say is avoid context switching. All three of us are like 
readers and we like I know that we talk about books a lot and we all like books. You can get caught up in reading a bunch of books and not actually do something. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also uh, get caught up in too many apps and that context switching will actually hurt you and your ability to focus as well. So that's a good point. I would just say, you know, pick one of these things um, yeah. and really go for it. If you don't have something in place, if you're used to these kinds of, you know, tools or, or strategies, then great, you know, look at a couple of them and, and, and then pick one. If not, just pick the one that sounded the best today and just go for it and pick one or two apps that will help or one type of uh, journal or calendar and just, just start and uh, be willing to be balanced and adjusted as you walk through the first couple of weeks. But if it's not working, don't change the focus of your plan. Figure out what's wrong and figure out what you're doing that's still distracting you versus or still needs to be removed. Don't, you know, throw everything out and make it easy to hit. Well, Mark, thank you so much for for joining us and giving us all your insight today. It was super helpful and encouraging to hear from you at being a, a lead pastor of a, of a church uh, doing the day to day. And hopefully we knocked off one of your big three today doing the podcast. <laughs> so you did. Yeah, man, I really enjoyed it. I love talking about productivity. I'm a sucker for this particular subject and I appreciate you guys having me on board today. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, and uh, thank you guys for listening today. We hope this has been helpful for you and your leadership. And if it has, we encourage you to leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast to help other leaders find us. And uh, we'll see you next time.